Beth, Danny, what? what? I don't think I could do the podcast today. I also think that I'm going to have to erase my identity. I wrote an extra exclamation point in an email at work and I don't think I can live with myself anymore. Oh my God, I need to change my identity too. What, what did you do? I didn't bring my reusable bags into Kroger and the cashier was just looking at me <laughs> the whole time. Destroying the environment will do it to you. You guys have no idea. I have a wedding next week and I still have an RSVP to it. All right, well, it looks like none of us can go back to our regular lives, so let me call my buddy. Hello, this is Mort's Molasses Taffy Emporium. Hello, Mort. We need three pieces of molasses taffy that'll last us a lifetime. Can you deliver? What's the magic word? Uh, stretchy. I'll have a truck arranged to you in a fortnight. Two weeks later. Well, folks, this is where I leave you. Where you begin your new life. Here, in the great state of Massissippi. There's podcast equipment in these cabins, right? You bet your bottom dollar there, Four Eyes. Wow. <laughs> to make up for making fun of Danny's glasses, Mort, you should come on this podcast with us. All right, but guess what? I'm going to have to drop the accent, you know, rest my vocal cords. What do you really sound like? Well, uh, kind of like this. Whoa, I had no idea. I go by the moniker Big Trucker Pat. All right, Big Trucker Pat, let's put your podcast skills to the test. Well, vroom, vroom. This is a nice podcast studio to record in for the rest of our lives. What do you think, guys? I've always wanted to live in a dingy log cabin in Massasappi. I haven't always, but currently I'm enjoying it with my co-hosts, Mason Moreau and Patrick Baylor. Yeah, and hey, we got a Massasappi man here ourselves. We got a fresh guest here in our little bunker, Danny Flanagan. I gotta say, there's nothing like the smell of sweet muscadine wine while mosquitoes are feasting on my blood in this log cabin. Mmm, that's the good stuff. And I'm Beth Marcinko, and I thought Netflix brought us some pretty good stuff this week. What did you guys think about El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie? First of all, it's a Breaking Bad movie. Okay, fine. We're meant to assume that there are going to be a few more. Ooh. So you already smell a sequel. I don't quite know. But I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was great. I really am interested to hear your perspective, Beth, from someone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad. Mason, you weren't uh, supposed to tell them. I, I, I didn't realize you were operating in the shadows. I'm always operating in the shadows, just like Mort here. Hey there. I'm everywhere. No one understands my shadow. But everyone loves your taffy, apparently. Of course. And I love this movie as well. It was welcome. I was waiting for a while, and I don't know, I like Breaking Bad stuff. And this movie made me remember how much I enjoyed Breaking Bad for not having, you know, really watched the show since it went off the air back in, what, 2013? Hmm, okay. Danny, what did you think? I thought it was excellent. It was nonstop, action-packed, kept me completely engaged throughout the entire movie. People are saying it's fan service, but I am definitely a huge fan, and I am more than willing to be serviced by it. <laughs> this was a pretty good service, I think. Serviced by whom? Old Vince. Oh, Old my man Vince. Vince. Vincey G. And he wrote and directed this one. Kind of kept it under wraps, right? Very much so. Yeah, Vince Gilligan has been in the Breaking Bad world still with his involvement in Better Call Saul, the spinoff. But he like went back to all these characters we haven't seen in forever. Mm-hmm. Plenty of characters we haven't seen since the original run of Breaking Bad. We have the tow truck driver that 
helps him with the magnets. We have Mike. Well, we've seen Mike in Better Call Saul yeah. a pretty decent bit. Jonathan Banks is available and always down to be in this universe, I think. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed how we just pick up sort of right where Breaking Bad leaves off, right? With Jesse fleeing that neo-Nazi compound, free and liberated after Walt sacrifices himself. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> Todd, you met Todd in the movie. <laughs> yes, we met Todd. You met Todd. Uh, he's sort of the villain of the final season of Breaking Bad. The anti-hero. No, I would he, not he call goes Todd straight villain. Todd is not a hero. Oh wait, sorry. When you said Todd, I thought you were mentioning Aaron Paul's character <laughs> in BoJack Horseman. Fantastic. No, we have Todd Breaking Bad. Todd, not BoJack Horseman. Aaron Paul. Todd. Jesse Plemons, right? Jesse Plemons. TV's Matt Damon. Bargain bin Matt Damon, Jesse Plemons. The son of a ginger brand approved with that ginger hair, Matt Damon. Right. And he's sort of keeping Jesse against his will to cook Walter's very, very potent meth recipe for him and the neo-Nazis so that they can then ship it overseas to Europe, which is why, funny enough, in the movie itself, you actually do hear a radio broadcast that says that the Euro has plummeted right after Walter White commits his crime to break down the neo-Nazi compound and uh, their meth operation. That is very smart because, like, yeah, this European conglomerate hinged on all this meth production. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Wow, this is a lot of information that I did not get from this movie. <laughs> not at all. Gotta read between the lines, Beth. Well, I guess I just have to watch the show, which after this movie, I'm convinced that I should. It's been daunting because it's so many seasons of television and it's an hour long show, but it seems like the hype is real and that it's worth it based on this movie, even though if you're watching it from the perspective of a standalone narrative, it doesn't completely makes sense. Obviously, like you guys are filling in a lot of gaps for me, but it is just kind of fun to watch in my opinion. Yeah, because regardless if you're not fully filled in, fully clued in on the story, you still get a lot of action. There's, you know, car chases and heists and meth dealings left and right. Yeah, as a standalone film, it almost is sort of like a Western. A story, he's a fugitive and he's on the run and he needs to gather all of his stuff and it ends in a duel where his battle of wits with pistols. It has that whole cadence, just like a, a Western would, right? I totally forgot there was a duel in this movie. There's a duel mm -hmm. where there's like music that's like bum, 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 as they're like drawing for their guns. And then Jesse has a secret gun in his pocket. That's a total spaghetti Western move right there. Mm -hmm. And they even do the stereotypical close-up of the fingers, like drumming before they draw their guns. I don't know. I thought that was a nice touch. The tension was there. And with the general like thematic elements of this, I think I texted some of y'all like going in like the first 30 minutes, I really wanted to play GTA 5. And then in the last 30 minutes, I really wanted to play Red Dead Redemption. For sure. This is a very Rockstar Games type of plot. Yeah, because when you think about it, think of how much Breaking Bad influenced a game like GTA for a minute. Breaking Bad is a couple of characters in that game when you think about it. Huh? Yeah. Who? Like whom? Like Michael. Like Franklin. You're, I don't know. You're getting more into a life of crime, I'd say, with driving cars and becoming a big dealer and mafioso. Yeah, but I think GTA is very much a satire of popular culture, and Breaking Bad is more of a revelation of the underbelly of the real world. That's fair. I don't know. Potato, potato. Apples, oranges. I like to put them both in a smoothie. Very healthy for you. Regardless, though... I appreciated the stylings and the inspirations that I saw from other media in this film. But since this has gone off the air, you know, it's back and, you know, we've had a lot of actors 
get better at acting. A lot of directors direct more high-profile things. And with this long break, I really feel like I saw the growth with everyone, even though this was, what, literally a minute after all the action happened at the end of the series. Yeah, definitely you can see a giant amount of growth in like the all of the cast that they bring back from Breaking Bad. Badger and Skinny Pete both really shine in their tiny part they have to play in this movie. We have Mike for a scene. We, of course, have Brian Cranston for a scene who's as good as ever. I don't know. Beth, what did you think of the scene with Brian Cranston? What did you think of the first scene, elongated amount of time you've spent with Walter White? So if I had no idea what Breaking Bad was and I just watched this movie, I would be very confused by these flashbacks. But knowing the pop culture references of Heisenberg and the fact that they make meth and that I know the overall premise of the show, the scene with Walter White just seemed like a almost a lost young adult and a father trying to help. That was the relationship that I got from that scene. Yeah, sure. Because, yeah, it's set back in season two when both Jesse and Walt are kind of like coming into their own, in their own criminal senses and, I don't know, becoming more aware of who they're becoming. So it was nice seeing that brief moment of like where that change happened. And you see that kind of like that exchanging of respects between those two. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you also, you just have the crazy fan service moment of Jesse knocking on the door and Walt walking out. That's totally an elongated sequence for a reason. Everyone was just like, oh, let's see Walter White again for the first time in six years. And I think it's one that they were excited that they were able to pull off because Brian Cranston is actively in some role on Broadway right now. So they had to like sneakily fly him in. He could only be there for in New Mexico for like 36 hours. And then they had to get like for the extras for the diner scene, they had to just do like all crew members and crew members as families just to keep that secret. So it's crazy that they were able to pull any of that off. Danny, as someone that has watched the series probably a couple of times, what was the effect of having both Walt and a lot of these other characters come back and see how they like shape Jesse in positive or negative ways. I really enjoyed the Walter White cameo. I feel like that was an elephant in the room the entire movie. You were just waiting, like, when's Walt showing up? Sure. So that was a big thing. Mason, directly after the first time watching the movie, Mason and I were talking about how great it was, how they fleshed out Skinny Pete's character and really just showed an entirely different dimension to him that you didn't get in the entire show. The show, he was kind of a junkie and there wasn't much more to his character that I can remember. Yeah. Junkie, henchman type guy. But in this show, you actually get to see his perspective and his idea of who Jesse is. That whole, you're my hero man line really was something I didn't see coming from Skinny Pete. So, I don't know. I felt like that was good. How did you guys feel about the Jane part? I felt like that was the only character I feel like they didn't need to reintroduce. I really enjoyed her in the show. I loved her character, but I felt like that entire sequence was unnecessary. I felt the same way about that initially, but I watched the movie twice, and after the second time I realized that that interaction was actually very needed to add context to the success that Jesse is finally gaining, right? She's saying, like, following the universe is bullshit, and every time she's followed the universe, she's always done something that she hasn't necessarily liked, and that you need to take the universe for yourself, you need to create your own destiny, that sort of thing, and that's juxtaposed with Jesse sort of starting a new life for himself, right? And using everything he's learned in the past to start anew. The messaging of their conversation seemed really relevant to the movie as a whole, because you see Jesse 
on the run, just trying to get enough money so he can go away. And so he can create his own new life, create his own new destiny. So Kristen Ritter's cameo was helpful to show the power that how her character affected Jesse in the past to then see, you know, him literally at his end. This might be the last time we see Jesse on TV, at least for a little bit. So I would love to see, you know, if we want to talk sequels a little bit, I would love to see him just be a mountain man 20 years later and someone finally finds him and he has to just escape that way. That'd be nuts. Well, you never know with Vince Gilligan now. He always just realizes he has another story to tell for in this Breaking Bad universe, which is another thing I think that I would maybe knock the movie for is... Yeah, I mean, what do you think about the story? I love the story. I love the movie itself. But I couldn't help but find myself feeling like I want to see something else from Vince Gilligan that's not in this world. Like, I openly invite El Camino. Totally want to watch it. I wanted to watch it. I've seen it twice already, and it came out two days ago. Mm -hmm. Although, I was really excited for it. I also kind of just want to see Vince Gilligan start fresh with something else. You know what I mean? Sort of do what he wrote Jesse doing at the end, which is putting everything behind him and moving on to a new adventure. Maybe that's a message he's sending with this movie. Hopefully. But let's talk about the movie a little bit. Let's talk about, I don't know, the grimier details of just like the story and how it looked. Because this thing looked cool. This was very fun. Yeah, they really brought back the Breaking Bad sort of signature cinematography style with this with some crazy uses of framing and some fun camera effects that look really cool. I think the one that pops into my mind immediately is when Jesse's searching around Todd's house. They kind of do a over-the-top view where it looks like it's going into a cross-section of the house and Jesse's searching in each room like a little dollhouse. Yeah, that was cool. And then like the shot where Badger was told to like go away. Like it was just like this camera stuck to the car that just like always stuck with the subject. You can get into the cinematography book stuff that I'm trying to remember from our classes Beth and I took back in school. I feel like they used a lot of Breaking Bad shots in those textbooks. <laughs> it's nice to see new fancy shots. We definitely got the signature Breaking Bad time lapse a few times as well. Yes, we did. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was a signature. <laughs> it was very signature of the show. Good to know. But it looks cool though, right Beth? Yeah, I mean, I thought that this whole film was shot very well. Personally, I didn't notice anything that like stood out to me in terms of that kind of technical filmmaking, but I thought that everything was framed like a well-shot movie should be. I always got all of the information I needed from either the shot or from the sound design. And I thought it was just a well put together movie overall. And I think the one thing that it did really well and I imagine that this was just the aim for it in general was to be an action movie. And you get the fun explosion at the end. You get car scenes where you're just driving fast and you feel that adrenaline and you have that music going. And it was a fun, action-packed movie to watch. I love the action. To get back to the helpful like people in his life, I really did enjoy every cameo in here. This was a perfect noir where all the support was so helpful. And I really feel like as Jesse went along in this movie... He had like a Jedi master helping him for this part and a Jedi master helping him for that part. You know what I mean? Especially with, with Jonathan Banks and then uh, Robert Forrester's appearance as well. R.I.P. He's just looking back upon all the sage advice he's been given throughout his life. Yeah, they just bring back all of the characters that have had such a profound effect on him throughout the series. And weave them through this new narrative that was two hours and works in a film format, which I think is very emblematic of Breaking Bad because it was one of those first shows that proves that you can do long-form cinematic storytelling 
on the small screen and have it feel like it's a gigantic movie. I understand what you're saying. And a much different movie gave me the same feeling. Roma from last year, being a Netflix original movie, was such a profound kind of larger than life story that you just watch at home on Netflix and it felt like it was something bigger, if that makes sense. It's obviously a very different type of movie. It's not this big splashy action movie, but it still felt bigger than a streaming service. And I think that that's what they're spending so much money to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Netflix isn't saving a penny with this movie. They're distributing it to enough theaters for it to be, I think, considered for Oscars when the time comes. So we may see Aaron Paul be nominated for an Oscar. I think that would be one of the first times anyone's been nominated for playing the same character in TV and a movie. Do you think this would be Oscars or Emmys? I don't see a reason why Netflix would want to release it in theaters if they weren't going for Oscar consideration. Or can they do both? Like, how can they classify it? Is it just whatever the hell they want, whatever they think they have a better chance at? Because Netflix is a streaming platform and that kind of definition is so squishy at this point, they could probably go for both. I don't know if the academies that vote on each of those awards consider that or exclude from the other, but I don't know. I can see them just having like some kind of PR team that tells them what to do based on all the social metrics and analytics of the buzz and the ratings and the possibilities. That's how it all works, right? At least that's what I'm made to assume after season three of BoJack Horseman. So Aaron Paul gets it. He knows it. He produced that show. He knows how to try to get awards. Though Bojack should get awards and hasn't yet, but we're almost there. Is that really the same guy? Yeah. Wow. Same dude. Wild. He's Todd. It's getting a little smelly in here, don't you think? Danny, what do you smell? A sequel? That is exactly right. We smell a sequel. So what do you guys think about the sequel potential for this movie? I don't think there's a direct sequel in mind, but I think there are a couple more stories in Breaking Bad that we could wrap up. What are those stories... Well, like I had mentioned, I would love to see them just 20 years later. I think Vince Gilligan will do it. Just see what the hell Jesse's up to in the woods and see any crime there. But we have Better Call Saul already happen. And that one is kind of doing both of like wrapping up his story at the end and then giving us his story at the beginning. I don't know. See young Gus Fring. If we're staying in the Breaking Bad universe, like super young Gus Fring could be cool. It's compelling enough. Absolutely. Danny, what do you think? What would you like to see from the Breaking Bad cinematic and television matic universe? I feel like this tied a bow on it. I don't, I don't want to see anything, if anything, a prequel like Baylor was recommending, but I, don't, I feel like the story has ended and Vince should... Try something new? Yeah. New endeavors. New endeavors. But crazy thing. What if we see what Brock is up to in like 10 years or 20 years? I want to know what was in that letter. Yeah, same. And also, I was thinking about it before this movie. It would have been cool if we saw what happened to Walter Jr. (gasps) Walt Jr. Is he just eating breakfast at some Denny's in New Mexico or something? Well, maybe. But as you may recall, at the end of Breaking Bad, Walt meets up with his old Grey Matter colleagues and says, I'm going to give you $20 million that I want you to grant to my son when he turns 18. And it's going to be a grant from your foundation. It's not going to be from me. So I think that a story about Walt Jr. going a little rogue and maybe like trying to do some investigating with this newfound amount of money he has would be kind of cool, right? What if we had a Detective Pikachu crossover? Oh my god. Oh! Walt Jr. buying a ticket to Pokemon Dimension. (laughs) 
And then the entire time they're just eating some eggs and bacon. No, we're drinking coffee, Patrick. Coffee only. Only coffee. Coffee. I mean, you can't get Walt Jr. away from breakfast, so he's going to find at least a bowl of cereal. What were you going to say, Danny, about coffee? I didn't have anything to say about coffee. Other than that Mason made you a cup of it earlier. (laughs) And I bet it was delicious. Delightful. But you know what else is delightful, Danny, Patrick, and Mason? What's that, Beth? It's listening to all of our past episodes of Son of a Ginger, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts, you should leave us five stars and a review and tell us what you find delightful. And you can follow all of our delightful musings on our social media at Son of a Ginger Podcast. We got memes, we got gifts, we got Instagram stories. We're fun. And we have rants about all of my least favorite things about some of the topics we've covered, including Marco Robbie's feet. Danny, what do you do for a living? Do you have anything you want to plug? You are a scientist, aren't you? Can you make us some meth? I'm not at liberty to disclose that information. That's that's a smart guy right there. This guy signed an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> he knows the recipe. I hope you enjoyed our recipe of podcasting and fun. And as always, I'm Patrick Baylor. I'm Beth Marcinko. I'm Danny Flanagan. And I'm Massa Sappy Slap Happy Mason Moreau here. And this is Son of a Ginger. And we're running free. <laughs>